The Lord is here right now to make a difference in your life. And when we sing, Lord, send revival, we're saying, God, revive my heart, revive my emotions, revive my life, revive my passion, revive my purpose, revive my hope in you. And that's what the Lord wants to do right now in your life, in your family. And I believe he wants to do that in our church and in our community and in our city and in our world. He wants to bring revival. But he always starts right here in the heart. And I believe with all my heart that God is gonna do a work in your heart today, in all of our hearts, and that's why we're here. We're here to meet God. We're here to meet God, not just to sing some songs and hear a message, but we're here to meet God, and he's here to meet with us. You're in a divine appointment right now with God Almighty because he loves you, and he wants to speak to you in the next few moments. So I want us just to bow our heads, and let's just pray, and let's just thank him that he's here, And he knew that you would be here even before the world began. He set this appointment up with you. Lord God, we thank you that you're here right now. And Lord, I can't change a life. I can't heal a broken heart or a broken body or damaged emotions. I can't revive hope. I can't revive purpose. But you can, and you're here. And I thank you, Lord, for what you're gonna do. I thank you, Lord, that you're gonna bring revival in our hearts and in our lives, and you know every person within the sound of my voice, whether they're worshiping on the other side of the world through our online campus or they're right here in front of me at the Woodlands campus. Lord, you know the needs that we have. You know our deepest hurts, you know our deepest needs, and you have the power to come right into our lives and heal us in our deepest hurts. You have the power to meet our deepest needs, and I pray that you would do that over the next few moments as we allow you to do that, Lord. I thank you that you know where we're at, you know what we're going through, and you care. Not only do you know, not only do you care, but you have the power to do something about it, and we give you all the credit And thank you for all the lives you're gonna change in the next few moments through your word. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. Chris and I recently got hooked on the Netflix reality show, Alone. How many of you guys have seen Alone? I mean, you just get hooked on it. It's, you know, kind of like a car wreck. You know, you can't help but looking at it as you're driving by and What it is, is they take these survival experts and they train them how to use video equipment so they can film themselves and they drop them off all by themselves in the Arctic and they have to survive. They have to forage and hunt for all their food. They have to build a shelter to protect themselves against sub-zero temperatures. They have to fight off wild animals. Well, let me just read you the description from the website. Equipped with limited resources, an isolated group of individuals is subjected to harsh conditions of the wilderness and must survive or tap out. It's a test of survival, and there's always one or two that aren't really prepared for the wilderness, and they tap out the first week. But then there's always one or two that not only survives, but they thrive in the wilderness, and they last for months, and they just love it out there. It's a test of survival. 
And real life can feel like a test of survival. Don't you agree? I mean, there are times when it feels like you're going through the wilderness and everything is really hard and you're just trying to survive another day and you find yourself just dealing with problem after problem after problem in a wilderness of worry and you just wonder if you'll ever make it through. Well, here's the good news. God allows us to go through the wilderness to build our faith and prepare us for our purpose. And that's why we're starting this new faith building series that I'm calling the Wilderness Survival Guide. Because God wants to build your faith and prepare you for your purpose. And he not only wants you to survive the wilderness of life, he wants you to thrive in the wilderness of life. And so today we're gonna look at the children of Israel in the wilderness and how God gave them a wilderness survival guide to get them through. So would you open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 15 and would you stand in honor of God's word, Woodlands Church, wherever you're at, maybe on the other side of the world, worshiping with us, or you're at our Atascacita campus or here in the Woodlands, we're one church built on the word of God. Just follow along with me. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah because they were bitter. For that reason, it was named Marah. So the people grumbled at Moses saying, what are we to drink? Then he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree and he threw it into the waters and the waters became sweet. Then he, God, made for them a statute and a regulation and there he tested them. And he said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and listen to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I put on the Egyptians, for I, the Lord, am your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms, and they camped there beside the waters. You can be seated. I want you to focus in on that phrase, there he tested them. For the people of Israel, the wilderness was a test of their faith, to build their faith and to prepare them for the promised land. And life here on this earth is really just a test. If you don't understand that, then nothing in this life is gonna make much sense to you. Life here on this earth is just really a test preparing us for the promised land, eternity. That's what life here on earth is all about. It's just a test getting us prepared for the real deal, which is eternity. You may live 60, 70, 80, 90 years here on this earth, but then eternity? I mean, on and on and on, a million years from now, eternity will have just begun. And so all of this life is just preparation for eternity. If you don't understand that, then you're gonna get really frustrated in this life. You're gonna be really confused. Nothing's gonna make a whole lot of sense. Really, there are only two tools that God uses to build and prepare your faith. God's word and problems. The word and the wilderness. Those are the two tools that God uses over and over again. I like the first one a lot better than the second one. I don't know about you. Is God, could I just spend some time in your word and, and you just build my faith that way and you grow me that way rather than problems and pain and difficulties and trials? But God always uses both. 
Now, I think maybe the more I get into God's word, maybe I don't need as many problems to teach me and train me how to depend on God and, and how to build my faith. But problems in the wilderness are something God uses over and over again in our lives to build our faith because when a problem comes into our life and, and then we learn to trust God in the middle of the problem and then we see God come through, it builds our faith and God prepares us for something bigger and something greater, greater blessings. And then a problem comes into our life and then we turn to God and we see him come through, it builds our faith more. And so we're gonna go on this faith-building journey over the next several weeks, and we're gonna learn how to not only survive, but to thrive in the wilderness of life. Now, God used both of these for the children of Israel. He used his word and the wilderness. He gave them the Ten Commandments, and he sent them into the wilderness, and he used both his word and problems to build their faith, to prepare them for the promised land. For you see, it's really only an eight-day walk from Egypt to the promised land, Israel. I mean, it's just an eight-day walk, but they were in the wilderness for 40 years before they entered the promised land. Why? They kept failing the test over and over again. And God said that, you know, he could have sent them in the shortest way, in the quickest way, but they weren't ready for it yet. They would have faced some enemies that they weren't ready to trust God enough to defeat. And their faith, you know, really would have been destroyed. And so he had to build their faith. Their faith wasn't strong enough to enter the promised land, and so he had to bring them into the wilderness to build their faith, to prepare them for the promised land, to prepare them for their purpose. And they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years because they kept failing the test over and over again. But God takes us through the wilderness to build our faith, to prepare us for our purpose. And maybe you're going through the wilderness today. God is just building your faith. He's preparing you for something greater. But here's the whole thing I want you to get today. This is so important. Yes, everything here in this life is preparation for eternity. Here, here in this life, it's just a test. It's building your faith. But here's the amazing thing. You can be blessed in the test. That's what I want you to get. You can be blessed in the test right here. And in fact, the wilderness contains so many surprising blessings that God wants to give you. There's such a blessing in the testing, but we often miss it completely. Well, the Israelites are trying to survive in the wilderness and they run out of water. They go for three days and they're totally out of water, and that's something you really need for survival. You, you gotta have water, but they don't have any water, and God allows them to go through the wilderness and not have any water, not to test their survival skills physically, but to test their survival skills spiritually. God brings them to this place where there's no water, and it's really a test of their spiritual survival skills. And then they finally come to this pool of water and it's bitter. The place is called Mara, which means bitterness, and the water's undrinkable. The water is bitter, and they become bitter, and they get discouraged, and they find themselves at this place of bitterness. But we're gonna see in this passage how God leads them to a place called Elam, which means place of abundance, and there in 
Elam, there are 12 springs and 70 palm trees and they camp near the water and there's just water everywhere. So they go from this place of shortage to a place of abundance. They go from this place of bitterness to a place of blessing. And maybe you're at a place of shortage today where you're short on patience, you're short on peace of mind. Maybe you're short on provision and maybe you're short in finances or or maybe it's just that you can't seem to find direction and clarity in life and you're short on wisdom today. You just don't know what to do next or you're facing a major decision and everything is really unclear. It's fuzzy, it's clouded, there's no clarity. Maybe you're at a place of shortage today, but God wants to lead you into a place of abundance where you're blessed in the test. God wants to lead you from a place of bitterness to a place of blessing, just like he did the Israelites. But many times we get stuck in the place of bitterness. We get stuck in this place of shortage when God wants to take us to abundance. I want you to look at verse 22 of Exodus 15. It says, then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the wilderness of Shur. Now it's ironic that where they went was called the wilderness of Shur when the Israelites were anything but sure about where they were going. Everything was really unclear about their future. They had no idea where they were going next. They just knew we're going to the promised land and but everything seemed shaky and uncertain and everything was new. But God said, you may feel unsure, but I'm sure. You're in the wilderness and it feels like you're in the wilderness of uncertainty, but God said, I am sure because I'm sure about my purpose for you. I'm sure about my plan for you. I'm sure that I'm gonna protect you. I'm sure that I'm gonna see you through if you'll trust me. And maybe today you feel like you're in the wilderness of uncertainty. Everything is unsure. Everything feels shaky. You're not sure what to do next, but God says, if you're my child and you trust me, you may feel very uncertain. You may feel very unsure, but I'm sure. I'm sure about my plan for you. I'm sure that you're gonna make it through. I'm sure that I'm gonna provide for you. I'm sure that I still have a plan for you. I'm sure that I still have a purpose for you so you can be in the wilderness and be in the wilderness of it's a sure thing God's gonna see you through. I love that. The wilderness of sure, because it always feels like when we're in the wilderness, we're in the wilderness of unsure and uncertain. And one of the reasons I think that we get stuck in a place of bitterness and it keeps us from being blessed, from being blessed in the test, is that we mistakenly think that one day all our problems are gonna go away. And then we're not supposed to have any problems if we really love God, if we really serve God, if we do all the right things and everything's gonna be perfect in our marriage, if we do all the right things, everything's gonna be perfect in our family, if we do all the right things, everything's gonna be just perfect in our finances, if we do all the right things, everything's gonna be perfect in our lives and no problems. Let me give you some background on the Israelites here. God had just led the people of Israel through the Red Sea. For you see, they've been in slavery in Egypt for over 400 years. For over 400 years, the Egyptians had been their big problem. And then finally, God brings Moses and all the plagues, the Pharaoh. He says, okay, I'm sick of you guys. You can go. And 
They get to leave bondage. They get to leave Egypt and slavery after 400 years. And then they get to the Red Sea and Pharaoh changes his mind. And you know the story. He sends the whole army after them. The Israelites are trapped between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army. It looks like it's all over. And then God works one of his greatest miracles, the parting of the Red Sea. And the Israelites get to walk through on dry ground. And God saves them. And then the Egyptians come after them. And the waves crash in. And God destroys their greatest enemy. Now, right before they went through the Red Sea, God told them, I promise you, this enemy, this problem, you're gonna never see that one again. You're never gonna have that problem again. Now, they didn't believe God until he opened up the Red Sea and worked this great miracle, but when they're on the other side and they see God destroy the whole Egyptian army, then they believe God. Yeah, God, you took care of our greatest problem for over 400 years. That's been our problem. They'd been thinking for years, if we could just get out of slavery, if we could just get out of Egypt, if, if these Egyptians were just gone, then everything would be perfect in our lives, and that's our problem. That's our only problem, and, and they were just so focused on that. They couldn't see anything else, of course. That was a pretty big problem, and so they're praying and they're hoping and they're thinking one day if we can ever get through that problem everything's going to be perfect and so as soon as they see God fulfill his promise and he says you're never going to have that problem again I'm going to destroy the Egyptians in front of your eyes and so when it happens I mean they're just celebrating they're jumping up and down they're giving high fives and by the way I, I just found out a couple of weeks ago that Astro's manager Dusty Baker was the guy who invented the high five he was one of the first guys to do the high five. Now, I don't know what they did before that. Maybe he's like high four, high three. I don't know. You know, I know that in every city around the country, they believe our Astros are number one because they always give us that number one sign with the middle finger. And uh, it's like, yeah, we are number one, aren't we? And the same sign that a guy gave me the other day is, is I pulled out in front of him on the freeway. He went by and it's like... You're number one. Oh, no, no, sir, thank you, but God's number one. Thank you. And I, no, I just shot it right back at him. I was so frustrated. No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Cut the tape. I wanted to. I'm a pastor. You don't do those kind of things. You want to really bad, and you do them in your mind, but you don't do them in public. Okay. We need to pray for our Astros. Let's spend a moment right now. Mm -hmm. Spend a moment. Um, but you see, they thought our greatest problem is over. They're celebrating, and they thought no more problems. This was our big problem. Now our big problem is gone, so there's no more problems that are going to come our way. But their first step out of the Red Sea was into the desert where there was no water. Can you imagine how disappointing that was? Can you imagine how frustrating that was? where they think no more problems, and their very next step, they're in a problem that threatens their life. And many times we think, one day when I get this problem out of my life, everything's gonna be perfect. One day when I get to this really busy season, it's gonna be amazing. One day when things settle down, I mean, man, life is gonna be perfect. One day when I can get through this financial problem, when I get through this marriage problem, when I can get, one day when I can get this job, 
one day when I can make this amount of money, one day when I get to this place, one day when I get married, one day when I have kids, one day when the kids are gone, please, Jesus, hurry that up, one day, one day when that ever comes, then I'm gonna be happy, everything's gonna be great. But the problem is, here on this earth, there's always problems. Now, fortunately, they come in different shapes and sizes, and many times it's not the same problem, but there are always problems. The quicker you stop believing that one day all your problems are gonna be gone on this earth, the quicker your bitterness will turn into blessing because that's half the stress right there. And that's what really keeps us stuck in that place of bitterness that place of shortage rather than abundance, that place of bitterness rather than blessing as we start thinking that if I get through this problem, everything's gonna be perfect, and when it's not, it's so frustrating, it's so disappointing, and that desert of disappointment leads to the place of bitterness and keeps you from God's blessing. Well, the Israelites wander through the wilderness three days without water, and they come to this beautiful pool of water, and it boosts their hopes. And in Exodus 15, 23, it says, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah because they were bitter. For that reason, it was named Mara. So they were just about to give up three days without water and they see this beautiful pool of water and they think it's a miracle. But it wasn't a miracle, it was just Mara, the place of bitterness. And when they drink the water, it's undrinkable, it's bitter, it's poisonous. And can you imagine the disappointment in that? Here they think they've got a miracle, but no, it's Mara. And their hopes are raised, and then their hopes are crushed, and their hopes are dashed. You see, they're disappointed, and it led to a place of bitterness. The water was bitter, they become bitter, they become bitter at Moses, and when you find yourself in this desert of disappointment, you can get stuck in the place of bitterness. When you have all these hopes, and the hopes are dashed, it leaves you disappointed, and in disappointment, you can get stuck in the place of bitterness. You know, you are counting on someone to come through for you, and they let you down, and they disappoint you. It's so easy then to get stuck in the place of bitterness. You put all your hopes in a human being, and they betray you, disappoint you. And it's so easy to get stuck in the place of bitterness. You really are counting on God to come through for you in a certain way that you think would be best and God doesn't come through for you in that way and you're disappointed, you're let down and you find yourself stuck in the place of bitterness. The desert of disappointment can easily lead to the place of bitterness. And in Exodus 15, 24, it says, so the people grumbled at Moses saying, what are we to drink? Now the Hebrew word here for grumbled is geguzo, which like our word for grumbled in the English language is an onomatopoeia, which means that the word sounds like what it means. That grumbled sounds like grumbling. I'll prove it to you. I want you in just a moment to say the word grumbled 10 times as fast as you can. And this is a way for you at church to get out all of your gripes and your complaints and your grumbling, especially if you watch the Astros last night. You can just get it all out right here in church all the people you're frustrated at. And I want you just to say the word grumbled as fast as you can 10 times. Okay, are you ready? Are you gonna do it? 
I'm not gonna be the only one, right? You're gonna do this. Say the word grumble as fast as you can, 10 times. Ready? Go! Grumble, 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 grumble. I said it 25 times because I'm ticked, okay? This is my counseling session. So I'm getting it all out right now. You see the word grumble that just sounds like grumbling and it was the signature sin of the children of Israel. And it's the signature sin of most of us. Because we don't think it's a very serious sin. I mean, murder, yeah, that's serious. Adultery, serious. Stealing, serious. But grumbling, griping, complaining, I mean, that's not a big deal, is it? It's a huge deal to God. It was the sin that kept the people of Israel out of the promised land. Only a couple of them made it in because of the sin of grumbling and complaining. And why was it such a serious sin? Well, we can see in the next chapter, after they were griping about no water, then they gripe about food. They get water and they start griping about the menu that God is providing. And Moses says this, and it's really powerful, and you need to understand this. Moses says in Exodus 16, eight, who are we? You're not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. Moses says, you're griping and grumbling about me and Aaron and your leaders, but really you're grumbling about God because God's the one who appointed us. You see, whenever I grumble and gripe about my circumstances, who am I really bitter toward? I'm bitter toward God because he's the one that allowed it. Whenever I gripe and grumble and complain about another person who has hurt me or done something wrong to me, then who am I griping, grumbling, complaining? God, because he's the one who allowed it. He could have stopped it. God's all powerful. And so whenever I'm grumbling and griping and complaining about my circumstances or the problems in my life or other people in my life, I'm really complaining about God. And I'm saying, God, you're doing a terrible job. I think you're bad at being God. I think I could be God better than you. God, you don't know what you're doing. It's really like slapping God in the face. And that's why it's such a serious sin to God because Whenever I get bitter at someone else, I'm really bitter toward God for allowing it. And that's why it's so important for us to understand to be blessed in the test, we have to confess in the test. You gotta confess that bitterness in the test. You see, that's why grumbling blocks blessing and because it's such a serious sin to God. Because whenever I grumble and gripe and complain, it blocks God's blessings in my life. And some of you have been grumbling and griping and complaining about the wilderness that you're having to walk through, and it's keeping you from being blessed in the test. It's keeping you from experiencing the blessings, from getting to Elam. You get stuck at Mara, the place of bitterness, and God wants you to get to this place of blessing, Elam, but, but you're stuck because you're griping, grumbling, and complaining. I know this because this is where I get stuck so often. And then I don't realize, really, what I'm doing is griping against God and it's a serious sin to God and it blocks blessings. And for some of you today, when you begin thanking God in the middle of the wilderness, God's gonna open up the waters of blessing and pour them out in your life. He's just waiting to, but that bitterness has blocked the blessing that he has for you. So to be blessed in the test, I've gotta confess in the test. When God tests you, it's not for his sake, it's for your sake. 
And when God tests you, it's not so he can find out what's going on inside you. He already knows. He knows everything. It's so that you can discover what's going on inside you. I mean, when God tests me, he's not saying, I need to test Kerry because I'm not sure that he's really committed to me. I'm not sure that he's really surrendered that part of his life to me, so I better test Kerry so I can see what's going on inside his life. No, God already knows. He tests me to reveal what's going on in my life so that I'll recognize it, so that I can confess it to him. You see, the test will reveal the mess. And some of you are going through the wilderness, and that wilderness is revealing some things that aren't that great in your life, and you just want to be in denial and, and, and pass over it, but God won't let you because the test will keep revealing the mess until you admit the mess. And we've all got a lot of mess in our flesh that we have to come to the place where we admit the mess so God can bless. And then I stop complaining to everyone else and cry out to God. This is really important because God says it's okay for you to grumble and gripe to me directly. Did you know that? It's okay because, you know, what I'm saying is when you're really mad at God and you're frustrated at God, uh, don't hold it in. God knows it. He knows what's inside you. Well, Carrie, if I pour that out to God, he might just strike me dead with a bolt of lightning. No, God loves you. He knows what's in your life. He knows the mess, and he still loves you just the same. And so when we gripe to others, they can't do anything about it. But when we gripe and complain to God, God says that's okay. I mean, most of the book of Psalms is just David griping and complaining to God, saying, God, this stinks. God, I hate this. God, I don't know what you're doing. But then he always takes a turn in the test. And he says, but I know you're God. That's why I'm coming to you. And you know what's best. I don't understand it. I don't like it. But I'm gonna trust you in the test. He always took a turn in the test and we have to take that turn in the test. God says you can come pour out your anger, you can pour out your hurt, you can, your disappointment. You've gotta bring it to God so that desert of disappointment doesn't turn into the place of bitterness where you get stuck and you bring it to God, you pour it out to God, but then you take a turn in the test and you always say, God, but you're God, you know what you're doing. I don't get it, I don't like it. I'm really mad about this, God, but you're God and I know somehow you're gonna see me through. You take a turn in the test. And this is where the choice comes in, where you can get bitter or better. And the difference between bitter and better is just one letter, I. I've gotta make that choice. I've gotta say, I'm gonna take that turn. I've gotta choose to take that turn whether I feel like it or not. That's why James 1, 2, and 4 says, consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Consider it all joy? When I have trials, consider means that you have to make a decision against your feelings, against what you're seeing, and you have to consider it joy, you have to take that turn. You have to take a little twist in the test, a turn in the test where you go, you know what? I don't feel joyful, but I consider this. I turn to God in this, and I see that God's up to something really good in my life. The testing of my faith is growing my faith muscles. It's giving me what I need to be a man or woman of God to become all that he's called me to be to really succeed in this life, to be blessed in the test. You see, here's something you need to understand. 
God tests you to bless you. You see, a lot of times we're in the wilderness, we think God tests us because he wants to hurt us. Or God tests us because he wants to punish us. God tests us because he wants to get back at us. No, God tests you so he can bless you. You've gotta go through Mara so you can get to Elam and you can find that place of abundance and you can be blessed in the test. And so you can consider it joy when a trial comes into your life because it just means that God's getting ready to bless you. But he's gotta test you before he can bless you, before you can really receive those blessings, those most important blessings that he has for you. In verse 25 of Exodus 15, it says, then he, Moses, cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the water, and the waters became sweet. So Moses, instead of griping and complaining to everyone else, he cried out to God. He took it right to God, and God shows Moses a tree. Moses throws it in the water, and the water is instantly purified. It goes from bitterness to sweetness. Now, it's interesting to me that that tree was always there. The survival tool that God used was right under Moses' nose the whole time, but he didn't know that it could provide a miracle until he cried out to God. He didn't know that God would use that as the survival tool to help him survive and thrive in the wilderness until he cried out to God. And I would say this, some of you are looking for the answer outside of God in your life. You're looking for this answer from this human being. You're looking for this answer you know, and this from the problem that you're in and you're looking from, to someone else or something else and you haven't prayed about it, you haven't cried out to God and poured out your heart to God, said, God, I need you. And if you would, I believe that the answer could be right under your nose. The miracle could be right there where you are, you just haven't seen it yet. But God can open your eyes to the tool he's going to use, the miracle he's going to use but you haven't prayed to him yet. So many times in my life, I'm looking for this giant miracle outside from someone else or something else, and then I pray about it, and God says, it's right there. The miracle's right there in your house. The miracle's right there under your nose. The miracle's right there, and God opens my eyes to it. And so God opened his eyes that this was the tool he was going to use, and the tree is a powerful foreshadowing of the tree God used to really take away our sins our shame and our bitterness, and give us a blessing. The cross, Christ's death on the cross takes away all the bitterness and the shame and the guilt and the sin, and it gives us his blessing. The test will reveal your mess, but the cross will give you a miracle. God wants to give you a miracle in the mess. When you confess in the test, you confess the mess, and then you turn to the cross so you can receive the miracle of grace a miracle of God. And some of you who are Christ followers, you realize the mess. You realize in your flesh, you're a mess. I mean, really, we have to come to the place where we admit that. Even as Christ followers, when he gives you a new heart and you become a new creation, you still have your flesh, and your flesh is a mess. In my flesh, I'm narcissistic. But that's not who I am. You know, my true self, I'm humble. You know, I'm unselfish, but, but I can give in to my flesh and just be really selfish, or I can choose to die to my flesh and live to my true self. And some of you who are Christ followers, you've just gotten stuck in the mess, in your flesh, and 
you haven't been walking in the miracle of who you truly are and who God made you to be. You see, the test will reveal your mess so you can confess it, but the cross will give you the miracle. When you realize that your flesh was crucified on that cross and daily you take up that cross and you say, God, I know in my flesh, you know, I'm a liar in my flesh. God, I'm selfish in my flesh. And God, you know, I, I don't care about others in my flesh. I just care about me. In, in my flesh, your flesh, I mean, your flesh just does all kinds of things that would be destructive, but you don't have to do those things. Why? You live from your true self. But thank you, God, that's not me. I wanna live from my true self, who God made me to be. Now, some Christ followers just wanna live from their true self, but they don't admit they have a flesh anymore. And they just pretend like, you know, that they don't ever have any desire to do anything bad or wrong, or, and that they always wanna love God and live for God, and everything's always great, especially when you come to church, everything's great, and you feel great, and then you leave, and you're in the parking lot, and it's taking you a while to get out of the parking lot. Someone pulls in front of you, and then you give them that number one sign right here in the parking lot. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen a lot worse. It was a little league t-ball game the other day for my grandson. And I parked, and it was hard to find a parking place at the ball fields, but I parked, and, and I get out, and then there's an SUV trying to park, and the husband's trying to park, and the wife's out there trying to direct and get him in this place, and then there's a, another car right behind, and while this woman's directing, that car just starts honking and just keeps honking and keeps honking. The wife starts cussing out the guy in the truck, the guy in the truck gets out, starts cussing out this woman, and I'm going, what is going on here? And I'm right in the middle of it all. And it's like, Pastor Kerry here, I'll help. <laughs> I've got a sermon on this one. Conflict resolution. No, I just gonna put my hat down and I walk right by. Not, no part of this one right here. In Little League games, man, that's, that's the worst fights of all, especially when those umps make a bad call in T-ball, that's, that's terrible, you know? Ooh. But I mean, think about it. Our flesh, our flesh wants to do all kinds of destructive things. But you don't live in the flesh. You gotta admit it, you gotta confess it, but then you live from your true self. You live in that miracle. Don't get stuck in the mess of Mara. Step into the cross and you'll experience the blessings of Elam. And then you gotta stop struggling for control and just rest in the test. This is what it all comes down to, where we try to control everything in the wilderness, but we gotta let go and just rest in the test. Sometimes we just gotta rest in the desert. We gotta rest in the wilderness, rest in God's love, rest in God's care, rest in God's provision, and just obey. Just rest and trust and obey. And some of you today are holding on bitterness because someone hurt you deeply, and, and it's time for you to choose to forgive. And you're saying, Carrie, I don't get it. I mean. What they did hurt me terribly. What they did was evil and awful, and why should I forgive them? For your own sake. And when you look at Jesus on the cross, and you see his brow bleeding, his hands bleeding, his side bleeding, his feet bleeding, dying on the cross, taking on the sins of the world, my sins and your sins, then you realize you'll never have to forgive anyone more than Christ 
has already forgiven you. And you choose to forgive, not for their sake, but for your sake, so they can't keep hurting you. Because the poison, bitter waters of resentment will start running through your veins and destroy your life. But when you choose to forgive, you don't have to feel like it. They definitely don't deserve it, but you choose to forgive. You say, God, I choose to forgive them because you command me to. For my sake, I want you to send your sweet water of forgiveness through my veins and heal me. I don't want that person to keep hurting me today. I choose to forgive and I give them over to you to deal with and I choose to forgive for my sake because you command it. That's when you feel God's healing power come over you and his sweet water of forgiveness and healing comes into your life. In Exodus 15, 26, God says this, he said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians. Now that would get their attention, wouldn't it? I mean, all those plagues they had just seen, like, okay, I don't want that. But then he says, for I am the Lord who heals you. God is a healing God. He wants to heal you today. He wants to heal you of bitterness and resentment. He wants to heal you of disappointment. He wants to heal your deepest wounds. He was giving the people here a wilderness survival guide so you can experience healing in the wilderness and be blessed in the test. And it all comes down to God's word, following God's commands, and then in the middle of the problems and the trials, turning to the Lord and his word. And so that's why I gave you this little, whatever that is, a little card. And, and I want you to use the QR code on the back because I'm gonna give you every day, starting tomorrow morning, a wilderness survival devotional. Video devotional and there'll be a devotional online as well written out and every day it's gonna help you make it through the wilderness, not just to survive but to thrive, to get into God's word while you're going through the wilderness and it builds your faith and it grows you strong in Christ. But I want you to look at this last verse. Verse 27, it says, then they came to Elam where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms and they camped there beside the waters. Elam means this place of abundance. So they had no water and then they came to bitter water and then they get led to Elam where there are 12 springs of water, clean and pure, where there's just water everywhere. And where there's 70 palm trees, they came from no shade and now they've got all this shade. They come from a place of shortage to a place of abundance, a place of bitterness to a place of blessing. But here's the amazing thing. This place called Elam, the place of abundance, was only five miles away from Mara, the place of bitterness. And they almost gave up at Mara. Can you imagine? They almost give up at Mara, but in God's grace, he works a miracle, and they move on, and they find the place of blessing. And what I'm saying is don't you dare give up at Mara when Elam is just down the road. Don't you dare give up at the place of bitterness when the place of blessing is just around the bend. You needed to hear that today. I needed to hear that today because some of you are walking through the wilderness. You're in the place of bitterness and you're about to give up. Maybe you're about to give up on your marriage because all there is is bitterness when the place of blessing is just down the road. You just can't see it. They had no idea. It was just down the road. You're at a place, some of you are at a place of shortage today where you feel like giving up because you have a shortage of peace. 
a shortage of fulfillment, a shortage of meaning in your life. And I'm telling you, the place of abundance is just down the road. And if you'll just trust and take the next step, the next step of faith, the next step of faith, you will be there in that place of blessing before you know it because God wants you to be blessed in the test. Do you believe that? Just thank the Lord for who he is and claim that because God wants you to be blessed in the test. Well, let's pray together. Dear God, I know that some are going through tests that Lord, I can't even imagine, and I just pray right now that you would make yourself so real to them and they would know that you're holding them in the middle of the wilderness and you're gonna see them through and you're gonna take them, Lord, from the desert of disappointment right to that place of blessing. And I pray that you would just fill them with your peace, that, Lord, that you would move all of us out of a place of shortage right now to experience all of you in a place of abundance in our hearts and lives, that you would meet us at our deepest point of need, heal our deepest wounds. And I pray for those that are holding on to bitterness that right now they would just choose to forgive, no matter what they feel like, just choose to forgive for your glory and for their sake, and you would just bring the waters of healing into their heart. I pray for those that have never received you into their life, Lord, that they would Right now in this moment, just pray this prayer silently to you. Dear Jesus Christ, I need you. I ask you to come into my life and I just surrender to you. I've been trying to control things and be God in my life and I give up to you, God, and ask you to forgive me of all my sins, to come into my life and be my Lord from now on. And I want you to guide me through the wilderness as I trust you in the test. And I ask you to take me to heaven one day I receive heaven as a free gift. And Lord, I just pray for every one of us as we kick off this wilderness survival faith-building series that you would just change all of our perspectives, that we would just take that turn, Lord, right to you, and we would just experience all your blessings in this testing. We thank you, Lord, that you wanna meet us right here, right now, that you're the God who heals Heal broken lives, broken hearts, broken emotions, broken marriages and families. Heal, Lord Jesus, broken dreams. And I pray for those who feel like giving up that right now, Lord, you would fill them with your power and that they would realize the trial they're going through is just building their faith. You're testing them, Lord, so you can bless them and fill them with hope. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, we praise God for who he is, and I want you to think this week about who God is. Because when we get focused on people, people get real big, and we focus on our circumstances, the circumstances and problems get real big. You focus on how great God is, everything else gets real small. You stop fearing man, you start fearing God and stay in awe of God this week and thank him that he loves you perfectly. You see, in the Old Testament, there were many names for God, but they all described his character. There was Jehovah Shalom, which meant he was the God of peace. There was Jehovah Sidkenu, which meant he was the God of righteousness. And he is our righteousness. And if you don't have any peace, he is Shalom. He's the God who gives you his peace. There was Jehovah Rapha, means the God who heals. And when you need healing, he is your healer, Jehovah Rapha. He is our God who heals. But I want you to focus on Jireh. Jehovah Jireh means he's the God who provides. So what is it that you need this week? What is it you need right now? Jehovah Jireh knows what you need 
and he has everything that you need. So stop looking to everyone else, stop looking to everything else to meet your deepest needs, and you look to Jehovah Jireh because he is all that you need, and he will give you everything you need. Let's stand together and let's sing that, and let's claim that, that he is Jireh, and he is more than enough, and he has made you more than enough. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.